and welcome to another episode of Truths Be Told. I'm your host, Lindsay Mullen. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me again for our fifth episode. Oh, this is the uh, comedy storytelling podcast, if you're unfamiliar, where we have guests on and they share truths from their life. Uh, They tell us stories and share experiences and anecdotes. And those experiences are all based around a theme, a different theme we pick for every episode. And uh, I love doing this show. I'm having such a good time. I'm having an even better time because it's coming out every second week now. Uh, It makes it easier for me to um, control the quality of the show and uh, be sane because I have so many different things on the go right now. Lots of different irons in the fire, a lot of different creative projects, not just this podcast. Um, I'm going to do a very quick promo, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Lindsay, you're going to advertise to us about yourself? We're already listening to your podcast. What more could you want? Well, I'm greedy, and I want so much in the world. So uh, if you're looking to go see a burlesque show, yeah, a real sexy, funny, feminist Um, a political, satirical, burlesque show, well, I have good news for you. I am directing and performing in one. Yeah! I've never done burlesque. I'm doing my best to research and learn and and work with two very talented ladies on this project. And it is taking every bit of my energy, but it's all going to be worth it. Hopefully, because... Who knows if we'll make all our money back. I've sunk so much into this, guys. Anyways, uh, it's a really fun show, and it's so exciting to express myself in a new way that I've never done before and um, put out uh, my perspective on things uh, and uh, own my sexuality on stage. It's very exciting and liberating. And I would love for you to come see the show if you're in the Toronto area. We have a fundraiser show, one night only. And the reason we're raising funds is because those funds allow us to go to the Edmonton Fringe Festival, August 16th to 26th. And we got to get across the country, and we got to pay a lot of fees. So uh, we got to raise funds using this show and also using our Indiegogo. So if you'd like to come watch this show, I would love to have you there. It's August 8th at 9.30 p.m., at the Bad Dog Theater Company. That's at Bloor and Ossington. So please, get your tickets online. Just go to baddogtheater.com. Look us up. Um, or you can donate to our Indiegogo. Tease. That's the show. Lindsay Mullen. Tease. Uh, so yeah, please, if you can donate anything, it would actually help an awful lot to pay for our costs to get across the country. Okay, no more advertising. That's it, I promise. Okay, so today's theme. Today the theme of the show is beauty. It's a, it's a pretty um, huge theme. It can be looked at from so many different angles. People have so many different varying opinions on beauty. Beauty is, a, is especially a difficult... Uh, area for women because, well, women have uh, a lot of societal expectations placed on them to uh, be beautiful and uh, feminine and elegant and to look good all the time. And I think in this episode, 
uh, we have enough uh, varying perspectives on this topic that we're going to be able to kind of dissect the ugly side of beauty. Uh, the pressure we get from our families, the pressure we get from society, um, and maybe also a little joy in this episode as we look at what makes us feel beautiful on the inside, which of course radiates out of us on the outside. I have always struggled with uh, my looks throughout my life. I am not immune to self-criticism. I mean, when I was a kid, I was a real tomboy. Like, I I didn't care about my looks. I had a horrible, like, um, like I had long hair, but my bangs were like a bowl cut. I looked terrible. I was always um, running around with ripped jeans and, and not caring about how I looked as a little kid. I just, I was... I was just a tomboy. Um, But I swear, as soon as junior high hit, like 11 or 12, I just, it just, it's like I noticed the mirror for the first time and I became obsessed. And whether it was obsessed with, you know, pimples or um, growing out my bangs or my weight, that, you know, I've always been around a size two for most of my life, but. I got so obsessive, and I'm still very obsessed. I became very obsessed with my teeth in high school, and that has not ended. I had braces for a year in high school, and then, you know, in my 20s, I've done Invisalign uh, and straightened my teeth more, and um, I had a, a tooth dye, so I, I got veneers on the bottom teeth in my mouth because I was just constantly obsessed Uh, my therapist thinks it's OCD uh, which you know I I don't I don't think she's wrong Um, but it it consumes my mind you know I've 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 had things like um, I've put that app on my phone where it it shows you what you actually look like because the image in the mirror is not what you actually look like so it flips it somehow and shows you what you look like to other people and of course once you do that once you look at that image you don't even recognize yourself and it makes you angry and also being uh, an actor I have to constantly see commercials or audition tapes or whatever of myself and just pick apart my looks and and hate myself so I think I've spent pretty much my entire 20s and all of my adolescence picking myself apart and I go from these moments of feeling like you know really gorgeous and attractive it happens every once in a while where I just feel like I'm the bee's knees to just being so cruel to myself and so uh, hateful which is which is a real bummer real bummer but I'm hoping that as I age, I will let go of some of these obsessions. It's not happening too much right now, though. Oh, my God. I literally started going to a cosmetic dermatologist a year ago, and I get, like, IPL treatments. Or I'll get obsessed with, like, a, a little varicose vein on my leg, and then I can't let it go. Or I walk around parties, and I I literally know so much about veneers now that I'll go up to people at parties when I know they have fake teeth, and I will be like, listen, your teeth are fake, they look amazing, who is your doctor? 
And people get offended when I do that, but it, I do mean it with love because their teeth look great. So I'm talking to them about it. I do have one anecdote to share. It's not really a full-fledged story so much. Um, when I was 16, the summer I was 16, I was in a beauty pageant, which is insane. It was insane that I was in a beauty pageant. Not just because, you know, I'm clearly not the pageant type, but I do not agree with beauty pageants whatsoever. I think they're so stupid. So the fact that I even signed up for one is nuts. Um, and the fact that they let me on board, even though they didn't know who I was, uh, shows that they were pretty desperate. Uh, in Calgary, there is a neighborhood called Kensington, and it's a real fun, boutique neighborhood to hang out in. And when I was in high school, uh, they, had a, they had a festival called the Sun and Salsa Festival in the summer. And it was just an excuse, I think, for all the boutiques and stores to have a big festival so people will come buy some of their clothes and stuff. And they had a stage set up and they had the Miss Sun and Salsa pageant or something. And they said at the time, if you want to take part in this, everybody that takes part, they only have to do three days of rehearsal. And then after that, they, um, they, no matter how badly or how well they do in the actual pageant, it doesn't matter. They get $250 worth of coupons and merchandise from Kensington area stores. So I was 16. I had nothing going on. And I thought, yeah, I could learn a couple salsa steps over the course of three days and get 250 bucks worth of coupons. Sure. So I signed up for this thing, and oh my god, like I mean, it had a couple people that were clearly there just for the coupons, like me, a couple ladies, and then there were some women who were actually, like, Miss, I think Miss Teen Calgary was, was doing it, and there were a couple people who actually do the pageant circuit, and they were a part of this as well, and oh wow, it was just like, Learning about their other world was hilarious to me. And I, I fell for all the little things that you're not supposed to fall for. Like, someone brought little brownies, two-bite brownies. And I was the only one eating them. I was, like, shoveling them in my mouth. And everyone was just like, no, thank you. But I realized, did, did somebody bring these brownies to sabotage me in this pageant? So that I would eat them all and everybody else is not falling for it because they're trying to keep their figure. They even had like a thing where we voted for Miss Friendly or Miss Congeniality or something. And it was just like near the end of the rehearsal process, we all had to write down on a piece of paper who we thought the friendliest girl was in the group. And the day before we made that vote, one chick wrote each of us an individual letter to us um, saying like it's been wonderful working with you and it was so nice meeting you and it was like all beautiful and cursive and on a special note like paper and it just warmed everybody's heart but I realize now it was emotional manipulation so that the next day when we voted we'd immediately think of her so of course she won that and uh 
yeah, I don't think I placed on this thing. Like, it was not great. When I did the interview portion, I tried to pull, like, a, a Sandra Bullock miscongeniality moment. I remember they said, so why do you want to be in a pageant? And because <laughs> I think my life is a movie, I was like, well, before this this whole process, I thought pageants were stupid. But now, after I've met these incredible young women, I just want to say, I don't think pageants are as stupid. And I really thought they were going to like give me a slow clap, like, wow, that was really... <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. But they just kind of looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing in our pageant? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, guys. Oh, and we had to, in front of like hundreds of people, like walk down the runway and model... Uh, fashions from neighborhood stores which some were awful and there would be like a person on the mic and go like this is Lindsay she likes this 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 and this and then I walk down the pageant runway and I wave at the audience and they all kind of clap and I remember we were supposed to give them like little fun facts about us so that when we walked down the runway they could have the audience get to know us and I think I said I liked theater or improv or like a bunch of dorky things that nobody else said. They clearly lost my cue card. And when I walked down the runway, they said that she likes comedy, theater, and they lost the last bit. And they said, and sun tanning. And I'm like the whitest person <laughs> in the world. And I think I even made a face, like a disgruntled face at the end of the catwalk, like... What the fuck? No, I don't like sun tanning. What are you talking about? It was a horrible experience. I didn't place. I did very badly. And I think I figured that out partway through the uh, actual runway show. So there's this wonderful picture. I'm going to put it up on my Instagram so you can see it. Of me at the end of the runway with my braces, my big chipmunk cheeks, and like baby fat face. And... <laughs> I'm doing a big smile and giving a peace sign at the end of the runway like, fuck this, I'm never winning this. <laughs> it was a proud moment for me. So, shout out to the Miss Sun and Salsa Festival uh, for keeping it real. <laughs> what a great time. What a great time. Oh, here's a fun thing. Um, my sound guy, Russ... He is back from Europe. He was traveling, and now he's finally back in the booth. Hey, Russ, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy you're back. I'm glad to be back. Now, I know we have a pretty awkward and limited uh, friendship at the moment, but I'm going to be honest with you. I missed you. That's I, I missed you, too. That's great to hear. <laughs> you don't have to say that. God, I wish you could have seen his face. He was like, I didn't think about you at all. It's fine, Russ. It's because I had to come into the booth and do editing and do all this stuff, and I realized how hard you work. Mm -hmm. So it's not a big emotional thing. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm glad to have you back. That's my point. Um, I want to ask you, because we're talking about beauty, um, do you find as a, a young man that do you ever get like obsessed about your looks or do you beat yourself up about things you don't like uh i guess one thing and it's very intermittent but i'll always get into the gym and be very like focused on getting more toned or more muscle but then that goes away after like i'll go for a solid like 
six months like every single day and then i haven't been to the gym since last august so it's very intermittent on whether i care what i look like or not interesting interesting so you want to be like you want to be toned or you want to be like bulk more just tone because i think short guys who have a ton of muscle look kind of weird but (laughs) (laughs) wait are you a short guy yeah like i'm a little short yeah oh okay so so you think you would look weird if you were like buffed out exactly so like more more just the tone is like just the kind of like look of having it is what i go for cool i get it all right i get that all right so there's a little male pressure there i get it a little bit just a little bit great Every episode, we have a quote that kind of inspires the theme. And for the theme of beauty, you know, there's a lot of um, flowery, flowery quotes that are really inspiring about beauty from within and things like that. But that doesn't stick in my mind in a way the quote I've chosen today has. Um, By the way, the quote I've chosen today... I don't advocate for this point of view. I just think it's incredibly dark. And I love a quote that says so much about the person that came up with it. It really describes a mindset. Uh, This is a very, very famous quote by Kate Moss, the supermodel. And the quote is, Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Oh, isn't that so dark? Isn't that messed up? I mean, I kind of get it if you, that's your goal, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a dark one. All right, let's jump into some stories. Enough yammering from me. I'm here with Kirsten Rasmussen. Hello. Hello. Hi. She's an alumnus of the Second City Toronto main stage. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was your understudy at one point for a while. (laughs) Uh, She's also a character comedian. She does a lot of improv, sketch, Mm -hmm. she teaches. You do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything comedy. Everything comedy. (laughs) She does it. Oh. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, the topic of beauty. Not just because I think you are a beautiful oh, lady. Thank you. I thank really you. do. Yes. Yes, that's how this needed to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do. Ah. Um, uh, but also, um, I think you have a, an interesting perspective as a woman in comedy because, I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes about why people go into comedy, you know, if you feel awkward when you're young. I know that. Yeah. I know I wasn't really in touch with my most feminine side as a child. Yeah. No, not me either. No. <laughs> it's a big roly-poly chipmunk. <laughs> roly-poly chipmunk? Really? Yeah. Because you're very so. slender. So you had a, a, a... Yeah, I think I got I got a growth spurt that went wide first. And then a couple <laughs> years later, I, like, grew tall. Um, I think I was 5'4 in grade 6 and then never grew again. So Ooh, I was, you, were, you really shot up. Mm-hmm. At, the point, at that point, I was the tallest girl. I was the tallest kid in class for a while. Which is so funny because I don't associate you as being no, tall. No, not at all. But I think it's why a little bit of me is like, I'm a monster. <laughs> because <laughs> in some of my formative years, I was taller than everyone. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that does something to the psyche. Yeah, it's kind of like so. how I've heard... Um, uh, women who have uh, th- their breasts come in very quickly, like when they're like 12 or something, right. will will hold their shoulders inward like concave oh. for years because it came at a time when they were the only one in their right. class. And so they have this 
it goes into how they carry themselves for years. Right. Same with really tall people will often like, like crouch under over. doors and that stuff like sense. that. And so the girls who got their tits at 16 were just like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, it's just pointing it out the other way. They're... Some of us are still waiting. And it's very exciting. Oh. They could come any day now. <laughs> <laughs> any day, here we go. Um, so tell me, like, uh, what, what has your relationship been to um, how you felt about your appearance throughout your life? Have you seen a journey changing? And all um, that? I think I've never been someone who has been like, I'm pretty, so this will be easy. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I have two other sisters. Um, I'm the youngest of four, so a brother and two sisters, and then me. And my brother's very handsome, and my eldest sister was very pretty. Um, and then my third sister was kind of tomboyish, and then I was somewhere in the middle. Mm. So I kind of felt like, I'm not really pretty, I'm not really tomboyish, and I'm just kind of here. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think, like, beauty in our house wasn't really important, but weight was something that was talked about a lot. Oh, really? So, like, gaining weight and losing weight and being skinny was very important. Um, so, definitely, I feel like I have a little bit of a hookup there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think, I think I was funny, and I was the kind of person that wanted to get laughs from people making funny faces. And, like, uh, I've always had really big front teeth and got bullied for that from, like, the time I was quite young so that's been something that's always kind of been there as well um but then I just started using it to my advantage I guess um yeah and then when I started doing comedy it kind of felt like I got confidence that I could see other people have because they're good looking but I had it because I was funny and I felt great on stage doing it so I guess yeah I guess that's kind of it but I do definitely notice like I've dyed my hair blonde and i pay more attention to makeup and stuff now and I feel like even though that's a part of my daily routine because I'm always out for commercials as we mm-hmm. are in this world going out for things where you have to wear a lot of makeup and do your hair um there's still a part of me that's just like I'm a little troll <laughs> um, <laughs> and when I go out for things that are like like yesterday I went out for something that was like tall beautiful Norwegian lady and hey. I was like I was like this is not for me who is this oh. for <laughs> um yeah do you um did you ever have a point in your life, I know I did at certain points, uh, a point where you became like obsessed with either uh, a part of your appearance or you just got like fixated on something? Like I got really fixated on my teeth for years. Right. Like, I want them to be perfectly straight and I yeah. want, like I got really fixated and I couldn't and still now I struggle, let it go. Right. Did you ever get fixated on something about yourself? I think definitely weight was something that I thought about a lot. Um, When I was first got an agent and I was in Montreal, um, I was a bit bigger than I was now. And then I went through this breakup where I uh, was, and normally I'm an emotional eater. Like normally if I'm stressed out, if I'm upset, like I'm Mm -hmm. like chocolate, chips, everything. (laughs) Yeah. But whatever, however this breakup hit me, I was so nauseous all the time. And I was just, um, my meals consisted of like a bite of cheese and then all the whiskey I could handle. Oh, wow. Um, So I dropped like 20 pounds in a, no, it couldn't be that much, maybe 15 in a month. Oh my God. It was over the Christmas holidays. So none of my friends really saw me until the next month. And then everyone was like, you look amazing. Oh, (laughs) and I was so sad. But, um, my agent was like, you look great. You should get new headshots. Like all this stuff where I was getting rewarded for being very unhealthy at the time. And then I started being like, okay, uh, I started feeling better. So I start, I got out of my depression from the, from the breakup, but I was like, can I maintain this weight even though I'm happy now and like want to eat 
how can I maintain this uh, sad sad weight? <laughs> I have had this exact same. When I have a breakup, I stop eating too. I've had some real bad breakups, and then you just stop eating, and you're anxious all the time. And then yeah. I remember the time I was the most, like when I had a nervous breakdown a few years ago, like a real one in and out of emergency rooms for getting mental health kind of breakdown. Yeah. And I lost so much weight, my pants were ba- barely um, holding up. And I remember looking in the mirror and going, oh, wow, I look the way I always wanted to look. <laughs> and I hate my life. I'm yeah. so unhappy right now. Yeah. 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 So it's, that was it's definitely a sad the feeling. thing. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning something when I talked to you before this about, uh, you know, auditioning for commercials. Mm-hmm. You had a recent experience that yes. sounded funny. <laughs> so I had a recent experience. Um, we were showing up for a, a kid's product. And so they were, I was playing a mom, of course, a young mom. And uh, so they were matching us up with uh, little kids. And it said in the, the email we got from our agency and from the casting director, like, we've pe- paid a lot of attention to making sure that the kids look like you so please come at your exact time so I go in and I see my friend who has red hair go in with a little girl with red hair and I see my friend with like big brown eyes go with a little girl with big brown eyes and I'm waiting for my kid to show up and she shows up and she turns around and she has really big buck teeth Oh wow! <laughs> and I was just like she was a very pretty little girl but it was definitely like that's it just made me realize like that's the way that they see me so they see me as the girl with teeth um and I was like wow okay that's what they've picked up on um and yeah it kind of it made me laugh because I've like people have talked to me about that before but I was definitely like when I left that day I was like should I fix my teeth would I book more if I had different teeth I don't want to be known as the teeth girl uh oh god I'll (laughs) shave shave them down or something and then my friend was like will you be as funny if you get rid of your teeth and I'm like are are my teeth the reason I'm funny (laughs) so it was a very hilarious funny I um not that it should matter but my take on your teeth. Oh, oh wait, wait, just wait for it. It's not going to be horrible. Uh, I was going to say, I always thought it was kind of like a, a sexy rabbit thing. I even right. had a, a cosmetic dentist once tell me it's, it's incredibly uh, in vogue oh. to have uh, large front teeth that are more um, uh, present Push, in the, like a bunny thing. And mm. that actually a lot of people ask for similar to your teeth. Wow. Because it it pushes your lips out so they look more pouty right. and it creates like this sexy rabbit thing. Yes. Okay. That, that wasn't supposed to sound no. as bad as that sounded. <laughs> I'm not likening you to a rabbit. No. I Well, I I love rabbits, so I'm okay with that. But it, it does remind me like there was this guy who, I, um, uh, who was hitting on me at this festival that I was at uh, and he was like, you... He's like, oh, yeah, I've always been attracted to girls with buck teeth. And I was just like... You don't have buck teeth. But you don't have buck teeth. Like, you're making it sound like I have someone with, like, a horse mouth in the studio. I can't... I play a great horse, though. So I can can make them look that way. But no, I I don't think they're that they're that pronounced they're, they are something that I'm conscious of like and I've always had it since I was a little kid like I always sit around with my mouth open I don't know why there's just too much space to cover <laughs> I feel it with my eyes too like when I'm asleep my eyes don't fully close because I'm like there's too much space to cover um so I don't know it's like I'm comfortable with it and I obviously like I play big characters so making faces whether they be funny or or cute or, or I guess sexy bunny um it's a part of my comedy so I can't imagine uh, doing anything else, but there is times where I show up to auditions and I'm like, I'm like, what? 
this is this is not what's happening here. Oh, I I get yeah, I get freaked out when I read um, the what do they say in the, break the breakdowns? breakdowns. I, yeah, yeah. sometimes I don't like it when they say things like you know uh, pretty but like approachable pretty or yeah. pretty but not turn your head pretty like yeah. that kind of stuff where I'm like this is a very creative way of dissing me. <laughs> Pretty in a plain way, um, quirky and a bit chubby. <laughs> I've gotten that one before, where it's what? like well, they're not talking about me, but in the breakdown, it's like and just like uh, like charmingly chubby, and I'm like, what the fuck is charmingly that? chubby? It reminds me of this like I had this I have this 1950s charm book that a friend gave me for a, a present because I love vintage stuff, and in it it talks about dieting, and it says if you can't diet and and keep your pleasant attitude then just be chubby and charming because it was like a lot of women start to diet and then they get really rude so if that's you keep the weight on and stay charming (laughs) that's so I don't even know how to at first I was like that's lovely and then I went no that's very anti-woman and then I'm not sure I don't know how to feel about it either I I love it thank you so much for being on the show yeah before you leave will you um Will you say one last anecdote you mentioned the other day? Because I just think it's a beautiful thing to end on. You told me the time that you feel most beautiful, and I thought it was really inspiring. Yeah, I think it's definitely on stage. So I think, like, I never felt um, very confident in my body or in the way that I look until I started performing. Um, And now when I'm on stage is when I feel most beautiful. And and as Lindsay knows, uh, and as most people know who see me perform, I play a lot of, like, gross trolls and monsters, but also other things. But uh, for whatever it is, the way that the stage is for me, it's definitely where I feel where I feel most most beautiful. Well, I've watched you perform uh, more intently than most people because I've had to <laughs> learn what you're doing, uh, and I can agree with you. Yeah. So no. thanks so much. Thank you. A- anything you'd like to promo? Um, yes, actually. Um, me and my comedy partner, Lee Cameron, who is also on the stage oh, with me yeah. at Second City, we have a website called thebloodymaryshow.com, mm. and uh, we have a podcast coming out about two superheroes who uh, whose powers are their periods. Um, so if that sounds <laughs> interesting to you, check out the Bloody Mary Show. That's fantastic. Uh, I love Lee Cameron. She's She's amazing. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Preeti (laughs) Toral. Yes? Did I get it right? You got it right. I am famous for butchering everybody's name on this show, (laughs) but I got it right there on the first time. Um, Preeti is a very talented performer and filmmaker. Uh, She's also a great storyteller. I've watched her tell stories on stage, and I'm just mesmerized by her. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, we're talking about beauty. Um, You are a great beauty. You are. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Everyone gets so uncomfortable when you tell them they're beautiful. It's so weird. It's so weird. If you told me you're like you're hideous, I'd be like, yeah. But oh my <laughs> goodness! But when you, when someone compliments you, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, I wish so you just said something mean. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you have a an interesting, kind of heavy, but very fascinating story. You yeah, tell us it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of this weird beauty regimen that my mom started with me when I was a kid, and okay. it wasn't until I, it wasn't until my late twenties really that I realized that it was messed up and yeah. when I started to have kind of agency in my life and a sense of responsibility as to like who I was and my heritage and 
me as a woman of color, then I started to realize this regimen was not cool. Right. Um, it started when I was uh, a young kid. I think, from what I can remember, it was between the ages of like 8 to 12. And uh, in the summertime, I grew up at Dovercourt and Bloor, and at the summertimes, uh, when I was off school, I would spend all my time um, kind of in the like grass area of my apartment building and I would spend all my time in Dufferin Grove Park and right. I'd just be playing from like three o'clock in the afternoon to like the sun went down and I would ride my bike home or I'd run home and every time I got home my mother would always force me to take a shower and right and you thought at the time Oh, it's because I'm sweaty or something? Yeah, I just thought, oh, I'm just a grimy kid that's been, like, <laughs> playing in the dirt and, you know, hanging out with, like, you know, goofballs and climbing mm -hmm. trees and stuff like that. But my mom, I remember that she would swap out the soap in the bathroom. And the soap that we had in the bathroom was this pink oil valet soap that we used to get from Byway at okay. Dufferin Mall. Wow. And it was the cheapest soap possible because we were... It's funny what we remember. I know. It's weird. It's like because that it sticks out in my mind now because that soap was like the epitome of being poor. Oh. Because you could buy that soap in like a 10 pack for like a dollar fifty. Wow. And it's only now as an adult now that I look back at how my mom took care of us. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we were, we were poor. And uh, but she would swap out the soap. She would take out that pink soap and she would replace it with this orange bar for me and uh, she would tell me that I had to use it and I don't know if you know anything about this soap but it was papaya soap to me that just sounds oh fruity right yeah <laughs> so yeah it sounds like something but funny. I have a feeling something sinister is about to yeah come up. <laughs> yeah very sinister so uh, this soap actually papaya soap for those who don't know is actually a skin whitener a skin bleacher Oh, my God. So my mom would make me wash myself head to toe in papaya soap because as she would say to me when I would come home in the summertime, she would say in Creole, the language that we I grew up speaking in my family, she would say to me, tu es un cheval, which means you look like a horse. Okay. And my brother picked that up too and he would start calling me dark horse or this and that. And it made me so upset and I didn't know at the time that it had to do with being brown or being dark or being darker than my family was negative I, I just felt very ugly right and I remember it's funny now whenever I see like rings or like selfie sticks that have like shine a white light onto people that kind of whiten them out and make them look soft so they look oh. beautiful for cameras like whenever I see that it kind of makes me feel sad because I remember I would wash myself in papaya soap and then I would go right up to the mirror in our bathroom and then the the light that was on top of the mirror would soften out my face and I would look at myself and I would look a lighter brown version than me I wouldn't look it was not true it wasn't a true version of myself right. but I would look like a lighter version of myself and I felt like okay great my mom my mom will be happy I look like this now Oh, my God. And it wasn't until I became an adult. Well, not really. It wasn't be until I started to kind of have agency in my life that I was like, oh, it, my mom hated the fact that I was dark. She hated the fact. 
And was your mother also similar in complexion? No, actually. My mother was actually kind of closer to your complexion. She Guys, uh, if anyone's curious, <laughs> I'm, his, I'm the whitest thing <laughs> on the planet. I'm so white. The, the most Irish lily. <laughs> A beautiful lily. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but what's, what's funny about that is like my mother being South Asian being from Mauritius, having South Asian heritage, she was still very much South Asian in her features, but her complexion was fair. Mm. So she could pass and have a lot of privilege of passing as white. And as well as her nose wasn't like any nose in our family. Her nose was very pointed. Oh. And my nose is very, uh, is big and round and kind of sticks out from my face. I can definitely say right here, great nose, fantastic (laughs) nose. I love the nose. (laughs) But, you know, and there was another regimen that my mother did is like, she had the privilege of passing off as white and she believed that a lighter complexion was more beautiful, was more acceptable, was going to get you better things in life, and it was just better than being brown. And in a lot of South Asian communities or the South Asian diaspora, it's there's this kind of internalized racism from years and years of 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 racism that was put onto us by colon like colonized governments. It was it's always that the lighter you are means the richer you are because right. it means you didn't have to work outside. Yes, right. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, uh, just jumping into that before you continue because I'll yeah. forget. Um, do you think in a weird way, I, by the way, I don't agree at all with any of the actions that you've described. <laughs> okay. Um, do you feel like your mother felt like she was doing that to help you in some sort of selfless way or do you think it was all an ugly, dirty like bad thing that she was doing like she was helping Mm. promote this bad idea or do you think she was scared for you both Uh. both I think she looked at me and not to be self-deprecating or or anything or not to fish for any compliment but I think she did look at me and think I was ugly I honestly do think that um but I also think she because she thought that she's like oh I gotta protect her how can I protect her make her wash with papaya soap does that make you feel a mixture of things towards the action or do you mostly look at the action like nope that was fucked up you should have never done that I'm I'm angry about it I'm actually not angry um I'm glad that my skin wasn't damaged I didn't do it yeah. enough to actually create any kind of uh rip any uh, melanin or color out of my skin I'm still very much the same color as I was growing up but I think it actually it just breaks my heart for my mom because I look back at her now, you know, as a woman. Now I can look back at her and look at her as a woman versus looking at her like a mom. And I just, I feel bad that she grew up with that internalized racism, that she grew up hating her own people in a sense. She grew up hating people who were darker than her despite the fact they were connected by blood. Right. So I really, really, my heart breaks for her because she couldn't see the, she couldn't see the beauty or the the pride in in a lot of her culture and she was just a victim yeah. of everything that our families had gone through that is uh that's really difficult and there's um yeah i i can't imagine that experience that's and it's interesting even you mentioning before about the selfie light this is how stupid I am. I <laughs> I didn't realize that was to make people look more fair-skinned. I thought it was just, 
in shadow certain things don't look right or something yeah. so i thought it just boosted lighting but I, you're totally right it absolutely it has another side effect of of making you yeah it would never be promoted as that like it's like any kind of lighting that's shone on to skin is to soften it's to soften mm. the complexion soften like brighten up features because as light falls on us it creates shadows depending on our nose or how our cheekbones are right. set or how you know sunken in our eyes are or whatever so lighting on the face is meant to enhance but sometimes I re whenever I see selfie lighting it reminds me of a kid of like going up to the mirror and making sure I wasn't brown oh my god yeah I just remembered there was something else you mentioned to me when we spoke earlier mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just the skin that was something that troubled your mom yeah. about your appearance you told me something else as well yeah I mentioned her nose and uh, my mom had a very pointed nose. So for our family, um, that wasn't common. We all have big, round, some of us flat, some of us protruding noses. And my mother had a very pointed nose and she enjoyed that because she looked like a lot of the stars that she wanted to be like. Like she was in love with Princess Diana. Oh. Yeah, she loved Princess Diana. She loved anyone on Dynasty in Dallas. <laughs> she, yeah, it was crazy. Um, she had a really, she venerated that kind of, of beauty. And so in the winter, my mother, around the same age as I would say 8 to 12, she would make me get up early. And uh, my family always got up around 6, but she would wake me up a little bit early. I'd say like 5.45. Oh. And she would make me spit into my hands. And I would have to massage my nose into a point so that my nose could one day be like hers and could be pointed and could be beautiful because my nose now was just big and protruding and round and very field-like in, in her description. Oh, my description. goodness. Okay, do you... Like, these are all the darkest of the dark for me as far as <laughs> mother-daughter <laughs> relations. messed up? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, we all, I have issues with my mom. These not are not the particular ones, but right. we certainly have had a tumultuous relationship. <laughs> uh, shout out to my mom if you've, if you've subscribed. Um, <laughs> I love you. Um, but uh, how do you feel this has affected you into adulthood? Like these pressures from not only just media, but yeah. also your family. How do you deal with things now and, and see yourself? Oh, wow. Um like I said, it, it really messed me up for a long time. I didn't have any concept of confidence or agency over myself or my heritage until recently, to be honest. I'd mm -hmm. say the majority of my adult life, I really grew up hating myself and hating my look and hating my skin color and hating my nose and not thinking I was beautiful. And um, it took a long time to look at me and have and find beauty in myself and to find beauty in people who look like me and people who don't look like me. And it really actually messed up my relationship to makeup because I didn't know that makeup was made for people that look like me. So when I would go out and buy makeup, I would buy the wrong makeup for years. Oh, wow. Yeah, because on the shelf, I would only see like medium beige and beige and ivory. And then I was like, oh, that's makeup. Oh, yeah, I should look brighter. So I would always buy the oh, wrong God. complexions. And it wasn't until like in the last couple of years where I started to get into makeup and and really enjoy it and see all these wonderful brands. And I was like, oh, holy shit, like being brown, being dark, being, and I'm not even that dark by any stretch. It's just like, I, 
my relationship to beauty now is so much more different because I'm empowered by all the other women who are empowered by the way they look. That's great. That's that's a very positive thing to hear. Uh, yeah. The last thing I want to ask you before mm-hmm. I lose you is, um, you know, we, we talk about beauty not just being uh, skin deep. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a time in your life, mm-hmm. and it can be a, a, a skin deep thing, or okay. it can be a soul thing, whatever yeah. you want. Okay. Is there a time that you remember feeling truly beautiful huh wow yeah and it won't make you shallow to say like one time I looked in the mirror and I was like you're banging you look great there's (laughs) nothing wrong with that Uh, I just meant is there a time when all the negativity was was overcome for a moment and you really felt beautiful wow I don't there are times when I've looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, hmm, not bad, you know, or I've gotten dressed in a particular outfit and I'm like, oh, that's nice. But I think those moments of like being beautiful, I think those have happened one on one with people very close to me. And it wasn't really about beauty. It was more about, oh, man, I think. I know I didn't ask you this in the pre-interview. I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> I th- okay, the one thing that's coming to my head is just like I remember taking care of my friend's dog mm-hmm. and really caring for the dog. And I know this has nothing to do with beauty. <laughs> it's so it's weird. Funny. But it's I'm like good. I'm like uh, like I'm being so loving and maternal to the dog and making sure he was fed and clean and like and walked and I just felt like a, I felt like a very motherly connection. Oh, that's nice. You know, and kind of having a messed up relationship with my mom, but now projecting it onto this fucking dog. Um, and so I'm like walking with this dog and walking with my partner. And he's like, oh, you're a good dog owner. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a good you're a good dog owner. And I was like, huh. And like in that moment, it made me feel yeah. It made me feel beautiful. And I don't know why. I, I like that. It doesn't have to make sense. You know, I also feel beautiful around dogs, but not for the same reason. I'm just like, man, this dog looks like shit. I am killing it. I know, but it has nothing to do with me. I'm just like, oh, wow, I didn't kill it. I feel amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds healthy. Yeah. Um, Preeti, thank you so much for being on the show. Aww. You were absolutely wonderful and, and so open. And, and I mean, your stories are harrowing, but... You seem like uh, a strong and powerful and, uh, um, yeah, you seem like a strong and powerful woman now. So that's wonderful. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, if you want to follow me, I'm only one Preeti on Instagram and I'd love to connect with anyone. So hit me up. Hit her up. (laughs) Thanks, Preeti. Thank you. Welcome to the panel discussion. I am joined today by Sammy Osman. Is that right? That's correct. And I'm also joined by Gerald Besner. That's me. Yeah. Before before beauty, though, you should have introduced (laughs) Gerald first. I should. Oh, right. Well, I should have introduced Gerald first. He brought me in here. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he, he got you on this yep. show. Yep. These two are male models. You may be listening and you might not see a visual, but let me just tell you, it is an oil painting up in here. I'm with two gorgeous men. It's all him. It's all Gerald. It's not true. 
<laughs> uh, thanks for being on the show, guys. We're talking the topic of, of beauty, which is an interesting topic. So uh, I want to ask you guys, you guys are in a very interesting, uh, a glamorous profession, or you guys have done a lot of modeling. Uh, how long have you guys been modeling for? All right, so, man, I started modeling in 2003, so uh, officially when SARS hit Toronto, so that was a very <laughs> lucrative first uh, you know year for me. Um, no, so it's been about 15 years for me. Um, to be perfectly honest, I unofficially retired from the modeling game last oh. year. Uh, and it's so funny because everyone always says, yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, like just, you know, the phone stops ringing. I'm like, yeah, that's maybe not the reason why I stopped. But um, yeah, so, but whatever. I mean, Why did you stop? Because it's modeling. Yeah. Yeah. G- and it felt a little superficial? Th- a little. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> 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 yeah, it's one of those soul-sucking type of uh, careers that can, whatever, it, it gets to you. And um, But let's not go there just well, now. Not just yet, but we will, because that's fascinating to me. Uh, and, and you, Sammy, how long have you been modeling for? Um, I know you both do other things, like you're great actors in that, but we're just honing in on this today. Well, speaking of acting, I got into acting, and then my first agent was also, was, a, was in Ottawa. And over there, there's not a lot of, like that much acting work and so on and so forth there's not a lot of agents and she was also a modeling agency and, and she said you should also do modeling i was like i don't want to do modeling what the hell's modeling like, why would i do that and then she said oh you know should be open to it because the industry is a little bit connected sometimes and and my first modeling job was like a print ad where i had to act out like a moment so i was like oh this is not so bad and it paid decently well so was, this is not so bad okay I'll, I'll i'll do it but i never took myself seriously as a model i never I think you got the wrong guys. I never. No, this I is why I love call it. Myself a model, I would. I would just say hey, I'm an actor or I do acting. Yeah, don't know? worry. I didn't expect you to be Zoolander. I wasn't like I. I... Oh, but he can be. <laughs> but he totally can be. Um, so I, you know, I just don't think it's. I, you know, it, it serves its purpose and everything. But mm-hmm. I also like kind of like Gerald says, it's it's. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, shit talk anybody. Can I say that word? Yeah, you can say whatever, any <laughs> well, word you I, want. I, I, I think you no, just it's, did. No, it's fine. I think you just did. Um, there's a little. So, um, but I don't, I don't take it seriously. And oh, okay, so when I work, I'll, I will be a professional. And and I remember one of the first times I worked with Gerald. He was like the the, the most professional guy, and he. he great personality I was like man I love this guy I'm straight but I love Gerald like yeah. if he was sitting next to me I'd be kissing him on the cheek right now yeah I know you guys have great chemistry that's also why I brought you on is because you guys are known for being such good buds there's a there's a bromance there's a real sure. bromance but we, we worked together a lot we would like carpool to this semi-regular job that we had and it was just to me it was have just you like guys I shot to together with... have you been in campaigns together Kind of, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of the the not so well known side of modeling. So, like showroom kind of modeling, where you go in, um, you're paid by the client to go in, and rather than them just show the new line of clothing to to the buyers, mm-hmm. they feel that it's better to show the product on body, of course, so that they can see just exactly how well that t-shirt fits on Sammy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you sell a few t-shirts. Okay, so I want to ask a couple other quick questions. Do you guys have a model walk? Do you ever do runway? Can you guys Sammy, walk? go. Uh, when I started off, yeah, I did a couple runway things, but I never 
I'm not a runway model. Like I don't have that kind of runway look. I'm more of a what they call like a commercial or a lifestyle or kind of just more right. like yeah. Um, so I you're like laughing with a wife and kids in yeah. a lot of photos that yeah. I would see. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. Yes. And um, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there and say for a lot of the runway type of walk, do I have a specific walk? No. But you have to massage it to. To meet the purposes of the client and you know that are watching the show, you know the person that's hiring you as well. Um, years ago, when I was a, a young model, uh, I used to do a lot of the underwear shows. For oh my like, goodness! Yeah, and so they used to hire me for you know the bay for the special events uh, for Pride Week and things like that. So yeah, I've hey, I've done. That's the ultimate compliment. New, no, and the, that's the, a compliment and the on cool your physique thing is, right there. So. I remember going to a couple of shows, and I'd bring the whole family down. So my wife and my two kids, uh, my my youngest one, used to come in her stroller to watch me do these underwear shows at the Bay for Pride Week <laughs> with Candy Bar. Hey, hey, Candy Bar, shout out to you. Um, yeah, and so we'd have people on stage doing, like, dancing and doing, you know, a drag performance, whatever. Wow. And we'd, you know, you'd have to modify your walk slide around the other talent oh man yeah wow yeah and then there's been some other ones you know like toronto fashion week things like that where um you know you get to wear some pretty interesting designer things and so things, yeah. yeah sometimes you got to be the the cool got nothing going on in your face but uh uh but i'll saying that i feel the most empty inside as a person <laughs> after doing runway shows it's horrible. Well, it's got little. I imagine it's a bit dehumanizing because you're a clothes, clothing rack yeah, walking down. Absolutely, but it's like there's all this build up, and everybody's all excited, and the producers of the show wanted to make it this big, fantastic thing because their jobs are on the line to get the next show, and so you go, you do your thing, and then you know you do your two second walk, and then you're done, and you're like, okay, I'm uh, I'm just gonna go home now. So yeah, yeah. little anticlimactic, maybe just a bit. Um, so. I also want to ask you guys about being uh, men in a field that is, I mean, people always associate beauty and, and, and glamour and that kind of stuff. They put that on women a lot of the time. What's it like uniquely being a man in modeling? Is How do you feel it's different? Um, it, I think it is different in a sense that um, not even, not even in just in modeling, in everyday life, women have this kind of social pressure to, to wear makeup. Like, you don't leave the house without makeup. Kind mm -hmm. of thing. Not everyone does that, but most of them do. Yeah. Like a, you know, I'm wearing a full face right, right now. No. My pores can't and you look, breathe. You look fabulous, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank but, you. <laughs> but I, I don't like that. I don't like that people, that we put so much importance on what we look like. I think more importantly is, is our behavior and, you know, the contents of our character and, mm -hmm. you know, how kind we are to each other. I think that's what's important. And I almost forget the question now. Oh, I was just, <laughs> I was, no, it's great. It's a good stream of consciousness, though. But I was uh, asking, how do you find it different being a man in an industry, a beauty related industry? I mean, me personally, I was raised in a way that I didn't what you look like is not that important mm -hmm. so and i wasn't really exposed to like the magazine covers kind of thing like i wasn't really i don't know i i didn't know what it was what this ideal look of a man was you know how like we mm -hmm. were, were that's really ingrained in us 
early on an ideal look for for you know what a woman should look like. Yeah, they tell us from like. very early on. Right, but I never paid attention to that until I grew into I don't know you know mm-hmm. to a certain age where I was like oh okay that's what it is. So although I'm affected by like everybody else, I'm not as I don't know I don't take it too seriously. So for me personally. I don't really let it get to me. I don't really make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really, honestly, don't care that much what I look like, although I look a certain way. Um, and um, But I think there's more of a social pressure for women to look a certain way, but there's still, especially nowadays, there's still pressure on men. Like, you need to, now you can't just be like, uh, you know, a fit guy, you gotta like have muscle now, you know, like, like mm-hmm. that's more of a, like, there's a lot of guys that are insecure because they're like smaller or whatever. Sure. Um, and it's again, not everybody's affected by it, not everybody sees it that way. North America is different than, let's say, you go to, you know, uh, a European country or somewhere else, but um, there's definitely pressures on men as well, but it's definitely not to the level right um that, that but women it exists. encounter it exists yeah. but a, to a small degree and not for as long as women have had to deal with it at least from my perspective and again i'm not i don't feel too affected by it so um to me it's like ah whatever it's not it's not that big so of a deal. so let me pipe in and just talk about some of the dirt of it all so it's interesting because you know women are often made to feel objectified Mm-hmm. You know, about their body, how they look. And for some reason, the general public seems to think that, no, guys are all over that. That they want everyone to look at them and be like, oh, look at all my bits and things mm-hmm. like that. And I've I've been so offended over the years because, okay, sure, there might be some people that like that. But guess what? There may be a lot of women that want that kind of attention too. So as a male model, I've always found it a little bit, you know, repulsive, like getting some of that. like. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, just because, you know, I'm doing a show in underwear, you know, or I'm doing a, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a print shoot. Uh, like, listen, I've done shoots where I'm like co- completely naked mm-hmm. and I, you know, wow. For one of them, I was doing a shoot and it was a test shoot. All the clients were there. It was my, myself and a woman. We were both completely naked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I totally trust a photographer. We're in a place. All the clients are there and they're all standing around just, you know, chatting and looking at us both like naked while they're doing this body painting on us. And no one thought maybe, well, let's give these people a little bit of respect because, it, you know, at the end, the end result of the, the campaign, it's going to be tasteful. It's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, something that's appropriate to to for the public to consume. We're not shooting porn here. And all the clients, you know, the ad agency, they were all like kind of staring. So eventually they put up, you know, some some foam core to kind of block them from seeing us while we yeah. were doing our thing. And then they all just kind of migrated from around the back of the thing just to kind of stare at us and gloat. It was really disgusting. And the worst part was this, is that when they would go to give us a bit of a break, like, cause, you know, you're standing in one position, you got to stretch out a little bit. Yeah. Like... They'd all just be standing there like that's when we broke apart from our embrace sort of thing. So like all of our bits are out mm-hmm. like they and the girl would have to like bend over to pick up a towel. I'm like, OK, that's like too much. So for me, uh, it's just me. I don't know. But I try and be a gentleman. That's how I was raised. Like I would lean over in all of my glory and pick up the towel to cover up the lady so that she wasn't exposed to all this. Yeah. So this you do pretty feel dis- that difference. Yeah. These are pretty disgusting things. And I guess. My thing is, what makes people think that a guy, you know, that every guy just wants to like, yeah, my shirt's off and whatever. I'm actually insulted that if I'm doing underwear, which is in essence lingerie, Mm -hmm. why am I not getting a lingerie rate? 
I know this sounds There's horrible. This rates. is like these are model problem male model problems. No. But yeah, like listen, when you're shooting I didn't know that there was when you're a shooting difference. lingerie or underwear as a female model, you get a higher rate. Mm-hmm. You're basically eating like time and a half or whatever it is, whatever's negotiated. But as a dude, they're like, No, you're just of course you're gonna shoot in your underwear and of course I have one last question to ask you. This is all very interesting. Um on the maybe positive end of it. You obviously both know you're good-looking men. That's how you got into modeling uh, in the stereotypical sense of what our society, you know, how we kind of go, oh, we like these certain things. Um, uh, Have you noticed that you are treated differently, like in a way that, that, like, do you feel like people give you the benefit of the doubt more? In the same way that a lot of people say, you know, if a person's very tall, they often notice that they're treated with more authority or things like that. Do you notice any little micro moments? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in 100. percent Yeah, yeah. Life is easier. Um, okay. And and that again, whether it's man or woman, I think if you are, you know, I I don't know what it is. If you are like I'm extremely lucky, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you know I also look at. Hey, my younger daughter, who's eventually, she wants to be a model. It's killing me. I'm like, I don't know if I want a letter, but whatever. Yeah, everyone says don't do it. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that. Okay, so see now I'm having a model moment. I totally <laughs> lost no, my. No, no. The requirements of being a model. No, so low IQ. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, actually, what's really I'm funny? Not- <laughs> what's really funny is uh, Sammy we're came from what like computer science. computer science, and I'm I come from engineering. Yeah, yeah so. I'm happy we're breaking that. But that's okay. Right so we have um, we have moments where sometimes we just forget what's going on. <laughs> that's okay because that's what we get paid for. Uh, no, but okay. So what I was what I was trying to say was that yeah, you know what I. I do teach her. I say, listen, you're you're fortunate, just like the way that I'm fortunate because of genetics, whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. I, listen, I didn't do anything special to come this way. Yeah. I do take care of myself, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect myself, number one, and I think that everybody should. Um, and then, you know, whatever. But, yeah, life is a little bit easier, whether it's fair or not. It has nothing to do with whether you're a man, a woman, you know. But if you present yourself like you respect yourself you're going to get the benefit of that. People are going to listen to you more. They're going to be more open to you. Um, you know, half the jobs that I book, whether it's modeling or whether it's acting, it's because I fall into a stereotypical, you know, idea of what yeah. clients believe that they want the look of happy, healthy Ideal people to man. look like. Mm-hmm. On the same token, you know, and I know we talked about this before, Lindsay, like there are jobs where, you know, we don't get called out for. And if you actually saw some of the breakdowns that I've heard from different agents over the years, they're saying, you know, we want good looking people, but not models. And that is so insulting. That being said, I have been in the room for commercial auditions, things like that with new models and it can be bad. But it could be super bad with like well, actor comedians or whatever else. It doesn't matter. Like you've been in a million rooms and you're like, course. oh, that was that was a train wreck. I, I people don't uh, <laughs> it, often see me for dramatic stuff because they know that I do comedy. So they decide, well, I'm going to be really short sighted and not imagine that she could do anything yeah. else. So whether yeah. you like it or not, we're all going to get stereotype. We're all going to get judged a little bit. And you know, thanks again to genetics, whatever it is. Yeah, we're on the positive side of that the benefiting side so yay yay well i agree with you guys that uh our society puts too much 
um, emphasis on on beauty, and that's why I was so happy to have you guys in, on an auditory medium so you could say your <laughs> thoughts. Because I want to hear what you think. I don't want to just look at you in your underwear. I want to hear what you have to say. I had to practice a lot to pretend like I had some thoughts. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you for being on this show. Thanks Is there anything us. you'd like to plug, either one of you? Uh, so I am unabashedly um, not on any social media, so don't try and find me. You won't. Um, so that that's my plug. Oh, I love that. Um, I am reluctantly on social media. If you want to find me, go for it. But mm, please don't. What is it? <laughs> uh, you don't just want... like, I don't know. My name, one word on whatever. Almost everything. Come on, spell know. it out. We need to know. Uh, S-A-M-Y-O-S-M-A-N. All right. But Thank really, you. Don't, <laughs> but leave me really alone. Don't have to. No, it's not All right, alone. he's you made really some pl- public platforms, but he wants the public to leave him alone. <laughs> Just, if you really want to, go for it. I, I, it's, Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. And that concludes another episode of Truths Be Told, the beauty episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you uh, enjoy the rest of your day feeling truly beautiful. Whoever you are, listener, you are beautiful, you are sexy, you are hot, you are, you are sexually viable. I want you to walk down the street and know that you are a hot, you are a hot piece of shit <laughs> in a positive way. That sounded terrible. You're hot shit. Yeah, you look good. You look good. All right. So own that. Own that feeling for the rest of the day. Use it as a mantra. I am hot. I am hot. And even if I'm not hot, well then, I don't need to be hot because I have more intrinsic value than that. My looks are not that important. So take whichever one of those mantras you'd like for the rest of your day and just feel good. All right. So I want to thank a bunch of people. bunch of people who made this episode so much fun thank you to my guests gerald besner sammy osman kirsten rasmussen and preeti toral thanks guys your stories were awesome i want to thank matthew reed for the music katherine fogler for the podcast artwork i want to thank kurt furla for the graphic design on my podcast artwork thank you to eggplant picture and sound they set me up here at the pacific junction hotel Uh, And they're having quite a little party today. You might be able to hear it in the background of this episode. Everyone's drinking and being merry here at the Pacific Junction Hotel. I want to thank my sound guy, Russ. He's beautiful inside and out. You can follow me on Instagram at linzomullo. That's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. Also, Truth Be Told is on YouTube. So if you want to see what we look like, little clips of us interviewing and talking in the studio here, just search Truths Be Told podcast on YouTube and you will find us. Please tell your friends about this podcast. And please, for the love of God, if you want to see something sexy and funny and exciting and and, and feminist here in Toronto, then on August 8th, Please come to Bad Dog Theater and see my burlesque show, Tease. And come up to me after. Tell me you listen to the podcast. Let's have a conversation. All right, guys. Till next time. Bye-bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.